This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome. This is Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, and coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. Thank you so much for coming back to the Divine Comedy of Sales. I presume you've heard another episode or two of the show and have decided to rejoin and keep listening. I really appreciate you doing that. The title for today's episode is How Great Sales Leaders Apply Systems Thinking to Win. And from that title, you can infer my point of view on how great sales leaders look at their organizations. So the big idea, great sales leaders view their organizations as a system. Now, last time around, I gave a really quick and dirty definition of what systems thinking means. I leaned on a definition from uh, people far smarter than I from MIT, from a definition that I found in their open learning newsletter. And it says really simply that system thinking is simply thinking about something as a system, the existence of entities, the parts, the chunks, the pieces, and the relationships between them. So when I say that great sales leaders view their organizations as a system, I'm saying they think about their organizations, the existence of all of the various entities, the parts, the chunks, the pieces, the people, and the relationships between them. So I want to go deeper, though, and talk to you about how great leaders apply systems thinking and how it looks different than how average sales leaders think about their organizations. So here we go. One way that this systems thinking approach to leading a sales organization manifests itself that I've observed is the great sales leaders, they go beyond simple cause and effect analysis. Here's a common example of what I mean. I've seen in maybe entirely too many organizations, simple cause and effect analysis being done by the sales leader or the principal, the founder. So an example of how great leaders approach that will counter this is they, they, they don't simply assume that increasing activity expectations will fix a pipeline problem. Forgive me if that strikes a chord or if you've, you've uh, seen this before. That's a really common example of simple or overly simple cause and effect analysis. Gee, our, our pipeline isn't the way it needs to be. Let's press down really hard on the activity pedal. That'll solve the problem. So great leaders don't think that way. They dig into why opportunity creation isn't happening. What are the contributing factors that create or exacerbate the problem? Is this really an activity problem or do we have a messaging problem? Do we have a product market fit problem, which applies to not only startups, startup companies, but also to companies that have been at it for a while that might have lost product market fit? Why are we not creating enough opportunities? Why does the pipeline look the way it does? The answer may not simply be our salespeople are lazy and not active enough. Great leaders dig into these issues and they go well past that simple surface level cause and effect kind of an analysis. And that's what helps them 
to solve problems like pipeline creation issues. Why? Again, because they look at even a problem like pipeline creation, they understand and appreciate the interconnectedness of activity levels, tools, technology, messaging, talent, what's going on in the marketplace, all of those factors to try to figure out, well, what is getting in the way of pipeline creation? And forgive me for harping on pipeline creation, but it's such a common example. And frankly, an area in which I see average sales leaders failing miserably. Why? Because they are satisfied with that very simple surface level sort of root cause analysis. Great leaders are able to do a better job of analysis and get to root causes because they understand that their operation is a system of interconnected parts. And that leads me to a second related idea. Great sales leaders think about the interconnectedness of processes, people, methods, tools, data, etc. They know that every change they make will have a ripple effect and an impact on other parts of the system. And they use that to their advantage. Here's what I mean. They make bold moves, not rash decisions. They look at all the relevant angles first. You can do that quickly. You can look at all the relevant angles of a problem and then go all in, not the other way around. Too often I've seen average sales leaders go all in on a solution, making a fast decision and taking action without really understanding fully the implications of the moves they're making. Call this the land of unintended consequences. When a sales leader makes a change and he or she does so without respect to the downstream effect on people, on processes, on customers, on business rules and expectations. So great sales leaders don't let their bias about an element of the system cloud their assessment. Again, a common example is a sales leader who has lived through an issue with pipeline creation or win rate or pick the challenge, common sales challenge. And they make assumptions and make bold moves to try to address a problem that they haven't fully diagnosed. Why? Well, I just knew what the problem was. I knew it. Why? Because, well, I just knew it. <laughs> Not because I've done a thorough diagnosis. The problem with that approach is not that it's bad to make bold moves quickly. It's that if you make the wrong choice and you try to solve a problem with really, without really fully understanding what's behind it and the sort of interconnectedness and all the contributing factors that are leading to the problem, there's a really good chance that whatever move you make is going to have big implications, potentially negative ones, for your operation. Examples here, if we change our messaging because we believe that our messaging is really the reason that we're, we're just not resonating with customers, but we're not looking at, for example, the skills of the people delivering the messaging. We're not looking at how people prepare and execute sales calls or make their outbound calls. Then there's a really good chance in that example that our bias to believing that our messaging is wrong. Why? Because, well, it's 
so wrong in so many places. I'm just going to assume that our messaging is misplaced and that's why it's not resonating. If that's your bias and your solution is to fix messaging that, that isn't really broken, then you may be overlooking the actual root cause in this example I'm offering, which is a skill problem. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. So the best leaders are the ones that are thinking about the interconnectedness of all of these elements, processes, people, methods, tools, data, and they're not just moving slow. They're appreciating the interconnectedness of all of those things and leveraging that interconnectedness to their advantage. They make changes that will make positive impact downstream. How do they do that? Well, they stop and think. They think about if we're in the example I've used, if we were to simply make a change to our messaging, is there any evidence to believe that our people would be able to be more effective simply having better messaging available to them? Or could there be something else? Might there be more that we need to do? Do we have to, for example, dig into how well our people are preparing and executing, delivering that messaging? How well do they understand how to use the messaging and with who and when? Just using that example, you can see how if the average leader is simply going to jump, take action, ready, fire, aim, fix the messaging, they're going to be right in the same place they were several months down the line because they didn't identify the core problem. Why? Because they don't appreciate the interconnectedness of all of the potential factors that lead to a problem with opportunity creation, for example. If anything I've said up to this point gives you the impression that I'm saying great sales leaders, they, you know, they move slowly on everything. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that great leaders view their organizations differently. Right? They go deeper to understand the cause, the root causes of performance problems. They think about the relationship, the interconnectedness of things in the system so that they can make the right moves. And that's really the third idea here, that great leaders make smart and focused moves to affect the right changes in the system. Now, they can take action quickly to address root causes. They just might invest a little bit more time to try to identify what those root causes are. By doing so, they avoid sweeping changes. For every organization, there is a threshold for just how much change people can endure. I've warned clients over the years when I see signs of change fatigue, right? Too many changes in a short window of time. And eventually salespeople and even sales managers just waving the white flag saying, no more changes, can't handle it, right? So great leaders avoid sweeping changes, big changes, and instead they opt for small changes with big impact. How do they do it? Remember, they've gone and done the work to quickly address root causes. They move fast with their appreciation of the system and how it all works interconnectedly. They zero in on the root causes of performance problems. They identify small changes 
with big impact and try to avoid big sweeping and disruptive changes because there's only so many big sweeping disruptive changes that any organization can endure. And finally, the thing that they do is they identify how to measure progress up front and they put deadlines on when positive change needs to be evident. In other words, once they've zeroed in on a root cause of a performance problem and they have identified the small changes that will make a big impact and affect that performance problem, they also, the very next thought is, what evidence will we be looking for that tells us that we're making progress here? Why? Because they're going to have to explain to their teams not only what are we trying to change, but why it's important, how we need to go about solving the problem or addressing the opportunity that we've identified. And what are we going to measure to know if we've made the right change? Why? Why is that important in light of systems thinking? Because we need to be able to gauge if the impact we're making on the whole system is what we intended. Because if it isn't, then we need to tap the brakes, slow down. Maybe we didn't make the right change. Maybe we're seeing either a lack of evidence that we're having success or we're seeing evidence of some unintended consequences, consequences that we did not anticipate, bad on us, but we've learned. And we're going to retune the system to try to solve this problem once and for all. So to recap, at the top, I said, great sales leaders view their organizations as a system. And then I said, what that really means is they think about the interconnectedness of all of the pieces and parts, the people, the methods, the tools, the data, the sales process, all of it. They think about the interconnectedness and the relationship between those elements of the system. They do so while analyzing and understanding the root causes, performance problems. Why is our organization not able to achieve what we want to achieve? And they go beyond simple cause and effect analysis. Simple cause and effect analysis is the domain of average sales leaders. They don't fix root causes. They snap to it and take quick action, satisfying themselves, but solving nothing. And then finally, great sales leaders make smart and focused moves, meaning small, focused moves to affect changes in the system. They're smart about, if I make a change here to this key element, to this process, I know that's, that's going to have an impact on what is expected of our people. Is that good or bad? Should we make that change? Or is there some other change that we need to make that will put us in position to solve the root cause that we've identified? And so these are just examples of how systems thinking plays out in the real world. As you think about either in your own experience or some of the great sales leaders that, you, that you've known or worked for, or perhaps the ones that you've heard in our interview episodes, I think you'll be able to come up with other examples of how systems thinking applies in the real world. I simply wanted to give you a few to hang on to, right? Pipeline creation, uh, pi you know, opportunity development, uh, the sorts of things that we see that are so typical in sales organizations today. If we apply systems thinking to solve these problems, we have a much, much better chance of successfully addressing them. And so that's the call to action here today. How can you apply systems thinking? Are there steps that you can take 
to develop a better appreciation of the interconnectedness of all of the elements within your organization? What do you have to do to think about the relationship between systems, processes, tools, people, expectations, you name it? Every element in your organization plays a role in either driving the organization towards or away from your desired results. I hope today's conversation has been useful to you in thinking about how systems thinking applies in your world. In our next episode, we're going to continue to dive deeply into the best practices of sales leaders that I've observed. We'll talk a little bit more about systems thinking, but we'll go deeper into some practical examples of how you can apply how the best leaders think about their roles. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Thank you so much for joining. Bye-bye for now.